Hello, I'm Rico Galliano. And I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. A simple reminder, you can donate 10 bucks to the Dinner Party Download by texting the word RADIO to 25383. Additional message and data rates may apply. Insert clever remark that provides rationale for donating here. Laugh. Laugh. <laughs> Laugh. And now, here's your icebreaker. I have a joke about a drummer that I'd like to tell. Drummer is part of a very successful rock group. They're doing better and better and better, and they decide that they're going to hire their own private jet. And as often happens with rock bands and jets, the plane crashes. And because they've all been so naughty, they go straight to hell. The lead singer is being roasted on a pit over an open flame. The lead guitarist is being slashed with li- by little goblins. And the drummer is lying on a satin-covered feather bed with a beautiful young lady. The devil walks by, and the lead singer says, Hey, Satan, what's up with this? I'm being roasted over an open flame, the guitar player's being slashed by goblins, and the drummer's on a satin-covered feather bed with a beautiful young lady. And Satan says, How dare you question her punishment? I'm Rico Galliano. I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. And from American Public Media, this is the Dinner Party Download, the show that equips you to win your next dinner party. Our icebreaker this week came from Chris France, drummer for the legendary Talking Heads and the Tom Tom Club, who just wrapped up a tour. Self-hating drummers, I love it. Yes. And coming up, Swedish movie star Numi Rapace, Quidditch Gets Legitish, World War Wells, and the Smith Westerns. But first, time for small talk. All week long, you've been hearing this. Rally to restore sanity. Indonesia struggled to recover from a pair of natural disasters. So here we go, guys, rangers and giants. Now for something you might not have heard. We turn to Guy Raz. He's the weekend host of NPR's All Things Considered. And Guy, what are you going to be talking about at your dinner parties this weekend? Well, the only thing I'm going to be talking about all of the dinner parties that I'm going to be attending, because I have too many invitations, and I spend about four minutes at each dinner party. (laughs) You're like Barack. I'm like, that's right. And I, uh, I'm i going to be talking about the Quidditch World Cup that's about to happen in a couple of weeks. This is one of the most important up-and-coming sports on college campuses. No, this is the fake sport from Harry Potter that is No, now... this is a real sport from Harry Potter, not a fake sport. <laughs> that's right. It's now being played for real. It's being played for real, right. You Basically, you run around a field with a broom through your legs, and there's a ball, and uh, you've <laughs> got to throw that ball through a hula hoop that's mounted on a, on a stick. Sounds legit. It's legit. 40 to 50 universities play Quidditch. They're now petitioning the NCAA to recognize this as a NCAA sport. This is ridiculous. This is taking a game no. from a children's book. This is like trying to make frogs and toads actual friends. Like this is <laughs> Oh, that, that happened 2 years ago. <laughs> but what but why not? I mean, you run around a field, there's a it's a physical game. It gets pretty violent. Yeah. You got people pushing and shoving. You got br- some bruised ribs. I still think this has to be the first sport where if you win the championship, people will think you're more of a geek than before. <laughs> yeah, I think I think so. I think so. Guy Raz, thanks for joining us. Sure. And now it's time for cocktails. Once again, we tell you something that happened this week in history, then give you a fitting drink to serve along with it. It's like history is a pumpkin, but when you cut it open, it's full of booze. <laughs> Not pumpkin. It's a drunken pumpkin. Oh, man. It's a drunken. Anyway, our history this week is the tale of Orson Welles' infamous radio production of The War of the Worlds. Now, the folks at your dinner party have probably heard about this, but our friend Michelle Phillippe is here to tell you some things they might not know. When Americans fired up their radios on October 30th, 1938, 
lots of them missed this. You are listening to a CBS presentation of Orson Welles in an original dramatization of The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. That's one of just three little disclaimers telling folks they were listening to a play, not news reports of a real Martian invasion. The music was directed by Bernard Herrmann, by the way. He'd later write the music for Psycho. Which is how lots of listeners behaved that night. They swamped local cops with calls, terrified Earth was under attack. Newspapers printed more than 12,000 articles about the panic. They said millions of listeners were duped. But was it actually that many? Some historians say the papers may have blown the whole thing out of proportion just to slander their new competitor, radio. One thing's for sure, Americans learned not to trust the media. Three years later, during another radio show with Orson Welles, newsmen announced a real attack on Pearl Harbor. And according to Welles himself, his listeners didn't believe it for hours. Because they all said, well, there he goes again, really. It was funny once, but not the second time. So that's the history. Now for the drink to serve along with it. I'm speaking with Craig Holcomb. He's the bar manager at 153 in Princeton, New Jersey, not far from where Orson Welles' Martians supposedly landed. Craig, what drink does the story inspire you to make? Well, I came across something Orson Welles had invented himself in Spain with a couple drinking buddies of his. They took a a little coffee, a little vanilla ice cream, and a whole lot of brandy. (laughs) And uh, they ended up drinking about 40 of them that night, supposedly. Well, to look at Orson, you just can't believe that <laughs> such a thing could have happened. No, not at all. It sounds to me kind of like, you know, a grown-up root beer float. Well, sort of, but uh, we uh, took a couple of ingredients from Spain. Liquor 43 instead of the vanilla ice cream. Uh, liquor 43? is that What is that? It's a vanilla liqueur. I like it. And uh, some Osborne brandy, a pretty famous Spanish producer over there. We put the two together with some coffee and a little whipped cream, and it's pretty tasty. And what do you call this drink? Ah, the Orson. Oh, fancy. Um, (laughs) I had to ask you, I am told you grew up three miles from where the Martians landed in War of the Worlds. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. The uh, mayor of the town at the time got in such a panic, he went down to the local gas station. This is back during the actual broadcast? During the actual broadcast. Filled up and was in such a panic to leave, he pulled the hose right out of the tank. So, Rico, whenever I think back on that, like, here's what I think is amazing. Yeah. After Orson Welles, you know, tricked the entire country, Okay. someone expected us to believe him when he told us that Palmasan wine was good. <laughs> <laughs> not that we knew any better back in the 80s, but still. We're not falling for that one, Orson. No way. Fool me once. No hoax hat trick here. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, trust us when we tell you the name of our website. It's dinnerpartydownload.org. Our guest of honor this week is Swedish actress Numi Rapaz. She plays Lisbeth Salander, the punk rock hacker heroine at the heart of the Millennium Trilogy, a series of films based on the best-selling books by Stieg Larsson. The final installment of the series, The Girl Who Kicked the Hornet's Nest, comes out this week. And Numi, for the one or two people in the world who don't know who Lisbeth is, can you describe her? She is a fighter. She had this terrible childhood, and she was in a mental hospital when she was like 11. So she has become very hard and very aggressive, and she has learned to, to survive. And she's really good at computers. She's like the best hacker and, you know, one of the best in the world. And it's with those computer skills that she helps a journalist unravel conspiracies. Yeah. You know, with over 25 million novels sold, she is like one of the most famous modern literary characters, yet she has such a dark past and the things she uncovers are so dark. It makes me wonder, how did this become so popular? You know, like this isn't exactly Bambi. Yeah, 
But I think that Lisbeth is pretty much the key. She is the one we haven't seen before. You know, she always finds a way to fight back. That's new because we are so used to see women be sexy or crying and, you know, just feeling sad for themselves. Yeah, and this isn't your typical female role. In fact, you had to transform your body and uh, you also had to put your mind in a strange state. How did you turn back into Numi once you were done playing the character? It was pretty interesting. You know, the last day after the last scene, I started to throw up. It was like it was my whole body was just throwing Lisbeth out, like I wanted to get rid of her. And then I started to rehearse Medea, so I jumped into another role. You jumped into Medea, immediately followed? <laughs> A romantic comedy. Exactly, you, you go for the light role. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to ask her two final questions. Yeah. The first question is, what question are you tired of being asked in interviews? What do you have in common with Lisbeth? And why, why is that annoying? Because it's like, this is basic. I'm an actor. People expect me to be like her. You know, punk rugging girl that is really mad at everybody. It's like, no, that's not me. <laughs> You're much better dressed. You better shoes. Uh, thank you. <laughs> okay, our last question is, tell us something we don't know, either about you or the world at large, something we could share at a dinner party that people haven't heard. That's a tricky one. The thing I have in common with Lisbeth is that I also realized when I did those movies that it's not possible to be loved by everybody because it felt like a suicide mission when they said to me that, you, you know, we want you to do Lisbeth. It's like, oh my God, this is not possible because everybody loves her and they will hate me. Well, that's the irony, right? Is that at first people were like, they're not, we don't want you to be Lisbeth and now they probably don't want you to stop being Lisbeth. Yeah. <laughs> But Rico, it turns out there is a new Lisbeth Salander. Really? Yeah, the movies are being remade for the U.S. Of course. And Rooney Mara, who played Mark Zuckerberg's girlfriend in The Social Network, is going to play Lisbeth. Really? So she goes from playing opposite a social misfit to, to actually playing a social misfit. <laughs> exactly. It's called range. That's Oscar-worthy. <laughs> and that's the Dinner Party download for this week, folks. Special thanks to Jackson Musker and Ravi Carmen. And we leave you, as always, with One for the Road, a song to play on your way to or returning from this weekend's dinner parties. The song is called Imagine Part 3, and the band is called The Smith Westerns. So you won't have to imagine Part 3 anymore. That's because it'll be right there <laughs> in front of you. Bon appétit.
Rico Galliano. I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. Disarming reminder of this show's charm. Witty response. Laugh. Laugh. Final reminder to donate $10 by texting RADIO to 25383. Additional message and data rates may apply. Kind laugh and thanks. Curse on continued poverty. Realize Mike's still on. Half completed obscenity.